So uh, we're in this series, Transforming Mission. Transformation is just a great biblical motif. As we are on the mission of God, we should see transformation in our own lives, in the lives of our families, communities, towns, and even whole nations, transformed by the power, the word, the spirit working together. And at the heart of this is a transforming encounter then where we meet with God. And last week we looked at the story of David looking to bring the ark into Jerusalem, the ark of the covenant. Um, It had the law of Moses in, Aaron's rod, I think some of the manna. And uh, basically it became associated with the presence of God and the favor of God upon his people. It was situated in the middle of his people in the Uh, wilderness as the tribes wandered in the wilderness and David then brings the ark looks to bring the ark back to Jerusalem or to Jerusalem and uh, they come a cropper a man called Uzzah the ark stumbles and a man called Uzzah reaches up his hand and falls down dead and it's a very difficult passage in many ways to just get to grips with and we we saw that somewhere in there is this thing of the holiness of God and our sinfulness And we're going to continue this today, this story. And I want to look at the theme then, that when only God matters. This is the story. This was David's heart. Only God mattered to David. Now, obviously, when only God matters, people matter to us all the more because God softens our heart. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And David was committed then to the presence and favor of God. And we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 13 to 16 and 2 Samuel, if you want to follow that, if you're following at home. And 1 Chronicles 13 to 16 are Israel's good news story, good news stories. 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles, it's thought are written in exile to a people who are broken and lost and away from God's plan A, if you like. They're in exile, but it's a reminder to them, hey... Don't forget, people, what God's done in the past. That may be a word to us as the church, as we look at where we are in society now and look at our history through the generations in different nations when we see a church that walked mightily in the authority of God, was not ridiculed by society. Queen Mary of Scotland said, I fear the prayers of John Knox more than a marching army. There were times When God's people had authority, when we stood on the word, when we knew the spirit among us, when, to be frank, people didn't mess with us. Well, I don't think that's the case now. But these stories of, in Chronicles, it was a reminder to people in exile, don't forget your past because God can do it again. And these stories actually, if you look at 1 Chronicles, after there's a load of genealogies, but after that it pretty much just gets stuck into David and particularly this, this story of the ark. So this is key for God's people to know about the significance of the presence of God among us. It's absolutely vital in fact, I can't think of many more significant things. We, we walk with authority anyway when we proclaim the gospel. But there's a difference between doing that in faith, if you like, lacking power. There's always power in the gospel. We know that. One, Romans 1.16 tells us that. But there's a difference between that 
and knowing you've got the authority and anointing of God upon you, isn't there? And you may have experienced moments like that. So this is key, the presence and favor of God. So let's have a look then. I've got a few things here. What does it look like when only God matters? What does it look like when only God matters? Well, firstly, we crave his presence. We crave his presence. I did think about that word because it's crave. It's, it's a word that kind of be misconstrued and people have cravings that aren't healthy. But, but I'm not sure there's necessarily a better word. I'm not talking here about emotional highs. But how many of us know that when we've encountered the Spirit of God, the reality of God by His Spirit, I don't know whether you've had experiences like this, it ruins you. It just ruins you. And I'm not sure you're after anything else ever again that meets with that. How many of us know what I'm talking about? Times when you've just met with God by His Spirit. And maybe he's come upon you, maybe he's revealed his love to you and you've been broken. Chances are, there's been tears. One American preacher I heard say, you know, I, I don't want to go too long without tears. Because it just shows God's probably doing something, touching something in my heart. It just ruins you. And this was David's sentiment. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. If we can put the next slide up there, Anthony. Thanks, mate. David cries out. He's in the desert, it says in the brief to the psalm. He says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. I think he's saying he craves God in a dry and parched land where there is no Water. What are we seeking after? What are we pursuing? What do we want to lay our hands on? Is it a particular relationship? Is it a career, a particular job, something to happen, something to change in our circumstances? I think scripture would tell us that first and foremost, we must seek him. It was Paul. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings yet. But I want to know Christ in all that. Don't put me through sufferings without knowing Christ. And I probably won't know the power of his resurrection unless I know Christ. But I want to know Christ. Is that us? 2 Samuel 6. It's called a hinge verse in this story in 2 Samuel where the same story of the ark returning is told. It says, now David was told that the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. Obed-Edom, his household was where the ark came to after David kind of gave up on it after Uzzah died. and said, I just can't do this. So he, it, the, the ark is left at the house of Obed-Edom. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. David knew he needed the blessing and favor of God. He'd seen it on the house of Obed-Edom. And he just says, we need that blessing. We need the favor of God upon us. And we're going to have that at any cost. So firstly, when 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 only God matters, we crave his presence. Secondly, we'll get our stuff together. 
as far as we can, we'll get our stuff together. What do I mean? We'll want to deal with our issues as far as we can. You see, the previous attempt to bring the ark back had been one of passion. They put the ark on a cart. It wasn't how it was meant to be done. There was human strength there. We can do this. Let's have a big old celebration. Let's get this ark back. Make a big splash. How many of us know what that is? Let me tell you, as someone who I think has run with passion before, but it's not been passion in God. But in a sense, I think it's possibly better to have passion, not in God, than no passion at all, possibly. Because God's good anyway, and still uses us anyway. But I do know what it is to be passionate and to, to go for things. Have we done that? We're after something, we're pursuing it, but it's our own strength. Well, David considers what's happened before. And 1 Chronicles 15, 12 says this. He said to them, to the priesthood, you're the heads of the Levitical families. You and your fellow Levites are to consecrate yourselves and bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place I have prepared for it. And so David, there's a lot of, in these chapters, 1 Chronicles 15, 16, of preparing and consecrating. So when God, when God, is all that matters. We'll prepare ourselves. We'll consecrate ourselves. Usually that may take years as we work with what God's doing in our lives. Even that's not something we do in our own strength. And that includes dealing with our issues. We've got to deal with our issues. Do you remember David had become angry that God hadn't let him bring the ark back? And he'd become frustrated and, it, and he'd probably been fearful. How can I do this? How can this happen? And the problem is this, David could have got stuck there, got stuck in his anger that God had let him down. He'd felt betrayed. Maybe he was fearful of stepping out. I tried that once. I tried that once. I tried to, I tried to be faithful. I tried to, I tried to do what God wanted me to do once and it just didn't work. And I'm not doing it again. I got hurt. I got burned. Have any of us got issues this cartoon says, you don't just have issues, you've got a whole subscription. <laughs> I've got issues. I know I have. I've got issues. Been on a leader's retreat recently, and God showed me some of them again. I've been dealing with them for years now. I've got issues, but I want to go with God. I want to deal with them, because the problem is this. You'll get stuck if you don't. God won't be able to use us in his fullest. If we're not prepared to deal with our issues, you know, some of us nurture our issues. They're our pet. Well, I've got this problem, I've got that problem, and I'm just going to stay there. It's too painful for me to step out of it. And it gets us attention, maybe. We've all seen this sort of stuff. We've all been like it, probably. No, 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 no. God wants to bring us into fullness and wholeness. That's what life in all its fullness is. When John... When Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come, you know, the thief comes to steal and destroy so that people get hurt, so that people get trapped and become captives. But I've come that they may have life in all its fullness. That's not just talking about, woo, come on, surfing, whatever it is. It's not talking about all of that stuff. You know, just having fun, although come on, we could have more of that in church. Do I hear an amen in the house of God this morning? Let's just have some fun in the Holy Spirit. But that's not what life in all its fullness is. It means healing wholeness, walking upright, walking strong, not caring what the world thinks of us or says to us. Well, we may need to get healed. 
We may need to make ourselves vulnerable. We may need to let God in, let others in, and deal with our issues. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we've got tissues for your issues. <laughs> I, just, I just love that line. I heard an American preacher. We've got an American in the house today. I do apologize for any undermining of... God bless America. God bless the United Kingdom. Amen. Seriously, we both need it, all right? Anyway, we got this American preacher. I got tissues for your issues. Come on. It'll get messy. It'll get mucky. We've got to deal with this stuff. Okay. Thirdly, when only God matters, we'll do what God tells us to. Verse 13 of Chronicles, I think. It was because you, the Levites, this is why we didn't, this is why we couldn't bring the ark up before. It's because you, the Levites, did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. Let me tell you, God has got a prescribed way for most things. He thinks he knows what he wants. Our way may not be it. His ways are not our ways. And it's so vital in life we line up with his ways. Even if we don't like it, even if we don't, it's tough because in the end it will bring life. So what was God's prescribed way in this case? Verses 14 and 15. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders, not a cart as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. God's prescribed way is his word to us. Primarily, that will come through scripture. God's word to us will never contradict scripture. But, it, but there's also a sense in which his now word will come to us as well. Maybe a thought, uh, an impression you check it against scripture, but you know, there's or, or there's a reading of scripture and it just kind of comes alive one morning. It just speaks to you. It's so vital we find God's prescribed way and follow it. And I just very briefly want to say this here this morning. There's a wonderful picture of the cross here. That's not a particularly wonderful picture in one sense. But why have I put that up? Well, this is how we come to God's presence initially, into relationship with him. You see, there was a priest who consecrated himself. He lived God's prescribed way 365 days a year. He lived in perfect obedience to his father. He carried, not poles, but a beam on his shoulders, the cross. And he took the judging presence of God upon his shoulders. You know, many theologians think when the sky went black, dark, it was, it was the judging presence of God. It was God's judgment being poured out on Christ on the cross. We want to welcome, you know, the, we've been praying this morning, we want joy. We want life. We want the favor of God. We want the presence of God. Well, God may need to come and deal with some stuff first and bring about conviction so that we get our act together. But Jesus took the judging presence upon 
himself. He was, is the prescribed way. Jesus is the prescribed way. Let me ask you, whether you're here in the room or whether you're online, have you come to God? Have you come into relationship with him through Jesus? Are you trusting his death on the cross? Are you trusting that he took the penalty for your sin and my sin? Or are you trying to earn his favor? Are you trying to strive like we were saying earlier? Do you know you've trusted him? Do you know you've trusted him? I'm not saying, I'm not asking you, do you see the difference? I'm not asking, do you believe in him? Somebody said to me, I think it was you, wasn't it, Chris, that demons have wonderful theology. This is the son of God, but they don't have faith. So it's not about believing in him and having right theology. It's about faith. Trusting him, trusting his death on the cross. Listen, if you don't, not sure you've done that, come and talk to us. Get in touch. If you're watching online, please email us in the office. Uh, we'll get back to you. I'll get back to you as soon as, so that we can talk about how you come into relationship with the Father. Okay, let's crack on. When only God matters, we'll get lost in worship. We'll get lost in worship. Let me ask you, when's the last time you were lost in wonder, love and praise? When was the last time worship, and I'm, I'm talking about sung worship here. Worship is a lifestyle, I get all of that, but I'm talking about sung worship here because the passage talks about it. When was the last time we were just abandoned in worship? When we didn't care what people thought, we just loved him. Ha. Ellie, I think the Lord just wants you to... So into worship again, I really do. Father, I pray for precious Ellie, who's just come back into rugby, and I thank you that she is someone that releases worship, just a lovely worshipping spirit. You're not like others leading, Ellie, and that's okay. You are who you are, and you need to lead out of who you are, not trying to be someone else, but just lead out of the sweet spirit God has put in you, Father. And anyone else for that matter who has a heart for worship, Verse 16 of this passage, that says, David told the leaders, of the, Le the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound. Some of us can only make a joyful sound. Can't call it music or musical, but it's a joyful sound. That's enough. With musical instruments, lyres, harps, and cymbals. And these, past these chapters, actually, 1 Chronicles 15, 16, the Ark of David is brought into David's tent. There's no, there's no uh, unlimited access. It's just the presence of God. And one of the things that David set up was worshippers, singing, music, because it just does something for us. So we're called to make a joyful noise. We're to see joy and noise. And let me tell you, society makes plenty of joy and noise. We were last night watching Emma Radakanu win the tennis. Um, Anthony, do you want to flick that next picture up? It's men and women, but, but one of the things we need to see is blokes like this in church. Okay? Maybe with their shirts on, although I'm going to say, <laughs> although I'm going to say something about that in a minute. But we don't see exuberance, lost in wonder, love and praise. And that's what we're called to. That's what happened here in these chapters. So where... Where do we lose our inhibitions? 
Is it with sport? Some of us are really good losing our inhibitions in a sport match. I am. I'm really good at it. Okay? Maybe it's the grandchildren. Maybe you lose your inhibitions with the grandchildren. What about Jesus, though? Does Jesus cause us to lose our inhibitions? I want you in your heart right now, if you're watching online or here in the room, to sign up. Say to God, this is brave, okay? To say to God in your heart now, God, if you'll encounter me, I'm prepared to lose my inhibitions for you. Don't let your inhibitions about what people will think of you and your style. Listen, I'm not saying everyone's got to worship a certain way, hands in the air, dancing, although someone do it. Never mind anyone. Someone dance, flag wave, whatever. I'm not saying everyone's got to do it. But whatever losing your inhibitions for you looks like, let's sign up to that. Just sign up to that now in your heart. Say, God, if you'll meet with us, if you'll presence yourself among us, I'm prepared to run with that. And lose my inhibitions. Why? Because it gives us spirit liberty. Whereas if we're hanging on to our inhibitions and we're not, I'm not letting him in. I'm not going to dance. I'm not going to raise my hands. Well, that's likely to be holding the spirit back. Careful, Jeff. Jeff's on one. Jeff's getting getting some flags out in the back. This is for the worship later. Boom, right there. Come on. Okay. Anyone new among us, just to let you let you know, we're, we're quite a sensible bunch normally, okay? There may, be something, there may just be something happening here, which is kind of good, okay? Okay, fifthly, what else when, we, when only God matters will face contempt? Look at what happens with David's wife, Michelle or Michael. Verses 16 and 20, it says this. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michelle, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. What happens? When David returned home to bless his household, Michelle, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the servant girls, of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. And then it says, and I don't think I'll put it in there, Michelle was barren to the end of her life. It's no coincidence. If we're going to curse what God is doing, chances are we will end up barren. And we must not do that. We must be so careful. Listen, it may not be your ting. It may not be your thing, sorry. Okay? I'm trying to get down with the kids. Not a, not a young enough audience here this morning. It may not be your ting. Okay? It may not... Shut up, Paul. Just get on with it. It may not be your thing, okay, to worship you know, arms in the air. It may not be your thing to dance or wave flags, but don't despise others whose thing it is. Okay? Let's be a church that is just open. If someone gets up with something prophetic that just goes, I'm not sure about that, fine. You're not sure about it. Listen, we've got an eldership here. We've got leaders here. We will seek to be good shepherds. We'll seek to be careful. If we think something's not of the Lord, we'll, you know, we'll check that. But until we're sure, we may let it run. Okay? George Whitfield, people came to him. He preached in the 1700s. Tens of thousands listened and converted. And people came to him and said, listen, there's a lot of emotion in your congregations. What's going on? And, you know, people are crying out. And and he said, the thing is this. Some of it may be emotionalism, but I don't know which is which. And I'm not going to quench the spirit. So I'm going to have to let the mess run. Come on, people. The world needs God. It needs a people full of God. 
And we've got to give ourselves to this. And it may get messy. But we'll seek to be wise. We won't just be foolish. It's interesting in this passage. Three times it says of Saul, uh, of Mishael, she was the daughter of Saul. Three times, the daughter of Saul. What's that saying? I think it could be saying this. She, was, she belonged to the old regime. And God now was doing a new thing. And the old regime, the old ways were on their way out. And David was the new thing. There was new wine. And new wine needs new wineskins. And if there's new wine flowing, and God, let, let there be new wine. There's a challenge to us to adjust, isn't there, to what God is doing. Let's not become part of the old ways. Now, I'm not saying there we throw out, I don't know, preaching or, you know, we throw out. I'm not saying we throw out every, anything, but Isaiah 43, in fact, I think I've got it here. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. We honor the past. We honor the good things. And there are good ways from the past. But there are also ways from the past that need to stay now in the past because God's doing a new thing. And it's very difficult to tell the difference sometimes. God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. I pray that he is. Do, not, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the message of this. Forget what's happened. Don't keep going over whole old history. Don't keep going over old history. That can be in our individual lives. It can be in our church. You know, let's not keep going over old history. Honor it, but not live there. Be alert. Be present, says Eugene Peterson. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Hallelujah. So we'll face contempt. Moving on, I'm going to skip that next slide, Anthony. We'll be willing to become undignified. We kind of touched on it earlier. Verses 21 and 22. Michelle comes and speaks to David, and David says this, verses 21 and 22. David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. We have an audience of one, don't we? I will become even more undignified than this and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. His ways are not our ways. And if we're moving in, in what God is doing now, and nothing is impossible with God, which means he's never doing nothing. He's always doing something new. So if we're moving in that, there will be others who just don't get it. Have you ever been asked to do anything undignified that others just don't get? Have you ever been asked to do that? Seeing that football crowd earlier, I had it in my notes anyway, there was one occasion, a season in the church I was at last time, where God was moving, God was present. Let me tell you, the spirit was moving, like really powerful. We'd have real encounters, you know, worship, tears, people he being healed physically and inner healing. And there was one meeting where I felt the spirit come upon me and it just knew it was. My hands are burning. I just knew God's presence, his love. 
And I felt the Lord say this, I want you to take your shirt off. Now at this point, some of you are thinking, that bloke's the pastor. So this is undignified. This is undignified for me. This is, you know, this is, don't, please don't despise me now. Are you with me? Do you follow what I'm saying? Take your shirt off. And I'm like, I can't. Take your shirt off. I'm not going to. But I knew it was God. I just knew it was God. Didn't make any sense. And it wasn't logical. It's just like I say, I'm caught up in just the presence of God. And I went to take my shirt off. And my shirt got caught on my glasses. And I couldn't get it off. And then I felt the Lord say, okay, you've proven you were willing and, and just had a piece about that. And I looked at the front of the church just at that moment. And there were just these, some of the church leaders. And I realized I had been fearful of man. And if you like, I felt it was a test. You know, are you willing to do what I want rather than fear man or woman? And actually it was men, to be honest, but fearful of humankind, men and women. You've got to be willing to be undignified. It, it probably won't look like, in fact, for 50% of you, it won't look like that, okay? Ladies. Okay, categorically. But have we known what it is to be undignified? Again, in this season when God was moving, I took a group of youth, you know, cool grammar school youth to... Is something happening with the lighting there? Is it all blue going out there, blue? That looks interesting. I'm not worried, but it just looks very blue. That's just on there. Okay, that's cool. Be weird. That's weird. Undignified. Hey, and and basically, we took these youth on this trip to Spain, and we were worshiping. We had times of worship, and again, the presence of God. Now, hear me right. I, you know, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't need to explain this, but I'll just quickly explain it. God's presence is always with us when we're worshiping. He's always with us. I understand that. But I just know there are times when he chooses to manifest his presence. And that's what we want. Because that will change our lives and the lives of those of us, uh, those around us. And we took these youth on this trip and the spirit was moving again. I just remember these youth singing the song. How many of us know the song? And, you know, I'll, I will dance, I will sing, to be bad for my king. I'll become even more undignified than this. Uh, Three of us, okay. There's a song. There's a song Matt Redman wrote, I'll become even more undignified. And I just remember these youth doing this conga around this campsite, not a Christian campsite, these cool youth doing this conga, singing worship songs. Let me tell you, that doesn't happen normally. Teenagers are not given to that. These teenagers were. It kind of said to me, this is God, because only you're worshipping. There was a couple of young people at the church and this is a bit sad. And they, they'd come to us from another church, and um, their dad was, worked for the church. And basically, these two young people had been bullied in school, and you know, just a few issues going on. And in this season, let me tell you, they met with God, and there was healing. I remember one of them, well, actually, it was both of them, just sat together, kind of really loving on one another as brother and sister. It was, it was a precious picture. Just singing at the top of their voice um, a worship song. I did know it. It's gone from my head. But just worshiping together. Just loving the Lord together. Their father in this season, when God's moving like this, their father 
criticised, despised really, what was happening. And he said, this is plastic fruit. Fruit of the spirit, this is plastic fruit. And he took the kids out of that situation. I'm not sure it was good for them. I'm just not sure it was good for them. Let's just be open to God doing whatever he wants. Okay, finally, lastly. If we'll be open to God where only he matters, the masses will respond. In those verses, verse 22, David said, listen, these slave girls you're criticizing, Michelle, see God in this. They see we're doing something for God here. And they're holding me and God in honor. I truly believe if, you know, Paul says it, if people will walk in here and the presence of God is tangibly here, it says, doesn't it, Paul says, surely they'll come among you. Unbelievers will come among you and say, God's in this place. God is in the house. God is in the house. God's here. It's not just a bunch of people meeting. I don't get, I can't explain this. There's something going on. We've had it where people have come in and just been tearful, just weeping and, you know, God's softening them. The masses will respond. Who are the slave girls today? Well, it may be those guys on that, you know, that football picture, blokes. I certainly think if I can use this phrase, I don't know whether we still say this, you know, whatever we meet, the working classes. We are, as the church in this nation, and probably here, still predominantly middle class. Statistically, we are overrepresented. The, work, the middle classes are overrepresented. 80%, I think it was Talking Jesus survey, found 80% of us in churches have got degrees. Well, that's not the majority. Only 27% in the population have. So we're not, we're missing something, aren't we? And it's people. I love it, that verse in Mark 12, which I think it's the AV, says something like this. It's talking about Jesus. The common people heard him gladly. This stuff, all this, has got to make sense to the common people. And let me just tell you, you are the common people, okay? What I'm meaning by that is just the broken, the needy, the hurting. That's all of us. If you respond to that and think, oh, I'm not common, well, that's probably more like Michelle in this story than David. I'm going to finish. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. In 2010, we did an evening series called Invitation to Intimacy. And where this came from was, I just had this picture of, it was, it was the tent flap. I knew it was the tent flap of David's tent. And it was the flap just blowing in the wind. It was like the wind was trying to open the flap. David's tent did not have a holy of holies. It was just the ark in a tent. What that meant is this, there was just open access to the presence of God. And in this series, we sowed into that. It was the sense God was just inviting us that the tent flap is just fluttering in the wind to peek inside, maybe to step inside of David's tent where there's no holy of holies, there's no division. There's just the presence of God unfettered. 
What if there is something of that invitation to us now? Actually, I think it's always there (laughs) because he tore the veil in two to the Holy of Holies. And I want to encourage us to be open to this transforming encounter, to believe we need it at the heart of everything we do, that men and women, young people around us need that encounter, that we're to pursue this. And I want to encourage us to believe that God may yet presence us with his spirit, with his favour in our own lives. What about our families? Let's be open to that. In this church, let's position ourselves. Let's be carriers of the pole. Let's be like those Levites that carry the presence of God. We, we want to do that. Let's, let's be saying in our hearts now, but in this season, God, I want to carry a pole. I want to carry your presence. Whatever I need to do to consecrate myself and prepare myself, I'll do that. That you might even presence yourself in our town. I'm going to ask Anthony, could you just put Psalm 63, that verse from Psalm 63? It's right near the start, I think. Psalm 63. So let's just quieten ourselves before the Lord. Maybe just in your heart, just be saying this to God. God, you're my God. And I'm seeking you now. I want to encourage you, if you're at home, you do this just as a family or individually. Say to the Lord, Lord, I'm thirsting for you. My whole being longs for you, Lord. Lord, I've known times when you've been present and I've not been there for a long time and in the words of this psalm Lord my soul feels like a dry and parched land where there's no water as you're saying that to the Lord you might again you might want to just put your hands out in front of you you're saying Lord I, I just receive whatever you've got for me And I'm just going to invite the Spirit to come. Because Luke 13, I think it is, says, How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him?